everyone, Leanne Pilkington here for the latest Courageous Conversation and I am so excited to welcome my guest, Jackie Crapp. Hi Jackie, how are you? Hi Leanne, how are you going? Looking forward to this conversation. Now Jackie is the principal at Rain and Horn Berry and Nara and you've been in the real estate industry for about 20 years, is that right? I have on and off, yes. Yes, absolutely, on and off. And four kids <laughs> between yes. the ages of 11 and 25, you're a very busy woman. I am. <laughs> Actually, my husband's even busier than me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's, that's what they say, right? Behind every good woman is an even better man. Yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You um, were in corporate banking, as oh, I right. understand it, and you took a massive, massive pay hit, like $90,000 a year, to leave that to come into real estate to be a property manager. What I did. were you thinking? <laughs> Why no, did you do that? No. <laughs> um, I guess coming off the back of a, a couple of rough years personally, um, I'd lost both my mum and dad over a four-year period to cancer. Um, it makes you realise that life is very short. And um, one of my dad's big things in this world is that you do whatever you do, do it with passion. Yeah. And if you don't enjoy it, do something else, you know. And whenever I talk to him about, you know, different jobs in the bank that I didn't enjoy or, you know, I'd take a new role on and go, shit, this is really hard work, Dad. Yeah. He would always say, well, you're only where you are because you haven't moved. You know, if you don't like it, move. Oh, um, take some responsibility, young lady. Absolutely. It was a very tough upbringing. So it was kind of like either make, oh, this, I like it. make this work or move on. Um, so, yeah, so having sort of uh, probably just had a restock of life and had a bit of a think about where we were personally. And um, you know, how do we go about, because that's really what the podcast is all about, right? Taking um, stock of where you are and working out what you need to do to change where you are and find your new direction. So how did you actually, how did you bring yourself to the realisation that you had to lose all of that money and how did you come up with real estate as your next step? Well, I'd kind of been in real estate previously. So I had um, started my very early career in um, Harcourts actually as a um, property manager and we had property management and holiday accommodation. So that should have really cured me there, but it didn't. Um, And I'd always (laughs) had a a great passion for it. You know, personally, I buy investment properties. I love property. My husband's always said to me, instead of, you know, buying shoes like a normal woman, why have you got to buy houses? See, so, I just can't understand that. I, I'm all about the shoes, but anyway, I buy no. houses. <laughs> I'm actually wearing riding boots today, so I'm not good. good. <laughs> Um, so, you know, I'd always had this passion for property. Um, and then I had the opportunity to go into business with some business partners at that time here in Berry. Um, and we actually um, purchased the um, first national franchise here in town when there was first national here in Berry. Um, unfortunately that, um, partnership didn't go very well, um, for a couple of different reasons. Can you tell me why? Sure. Um, Probably my choice of business partners wasn't great. Um, I come from a commercial banking background and have quite a good understanding of business. That was my whole role was understanding businesses and what makes them tick. My business partners were quite young um, and I think um, we probably lost sight a little bit of what we were trying to achieve um, with the business and I think they got a little bit caught up in, you know, when can I get the Range Rover and, you know, when can we get the nice property? Real estate Uh, agents, right? Yeah. yeah, I think we were on two different levels. Um, They are lovely people. They were very dear friends when we went into business together yeah. uh, and I just think it wasn't a good fit. That's such a, um, an interesting point because you do think, you know, it's like, oh, I love them. They're such great people. We get on so well. This is mm-hmm. going to be great. But going into business is not yeah. be- about being your best friends. It's about it having not. a look, as you say, at that fit, right, and what their goals and understanding yeah. of business and all that sort of stuff. 
Yeah, and I think that's far more crucial. You need to be on the same page for the business and have the same desire and dreams to get that business from where it is today yes. to where you're going to go. Yeah. Um, and although, you know, we're not silly people, we'd sat down and we'd had all these meetings at the beginning and said, you know, this is what we want to achieve and this yep. is the timeline. Um, I just think that we were probably not on the same journey. Um, so, unfortunately, towards the end of that, um, I had a car accident and ended up with a blood clot. So I ended up oh, in for quite a period of time. Um, and that was kind of my out of that. You know, they bought me out of the business and then, unfortunately, for them a couple of months later, they wound it up and somebody else bought them out. Um, so the car accident was fortuitous. It was actually in hindsight. <laughs> My husband didn't think so because he'd finally got a mini and then I well, crashed. As, um, as, Tom, as Tom Panos often says, the best gifts come badly wrapped, right? Absolutely. Well, that is so true. That yeah. is so true. didn't know it at the time, but it's then put us on this trajectory now, which is amazing. So it was a blessing in disguise. So it was. Yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. And so now um, you have got a business partner now, though. I do, I do. So that's um, I have some really beautiful business partners. Um, Jared and Emma um, are my business partners. They're, they're the Cochrans who I originally bought into the business with. Yep. So um, Alex employed me. It was actually quite odd how it all happened. But one day I was on leave from um, my banking job and I walked into Rain and Horn, who used to manage my properties. And uh, I bumped into Alex, who I've known since I was 16 years old. He's um, also in the dairy industry, which we were in. Um, and he said to me, what are you up to today? And it just came out without any thought. I said, I'm going home to decide whether I ever want to go back to my job again and um, I just had a bad morning the girls at the office had continually rang me I was one day into annual leave you know and I'd spent all morning on the phone troubleshooting things yeah. and he said I think we should get a coffee and um, so we went and had a coffee and had a chat and um, it kind of went from there so then um, I kind of had to go home and tell my husband I didn't want to be the breadwinner anymore <laughs> couldn't go back to work and, and pull his weight a little bit more so that I could follow my... And there's a courageous conversation if I've ever heard one. It was, let me tell you. I, um, I went to town first and bought some gifts. I thought this has got to work. I gave him some white chocolate. <laughs> and well, I've still got money to spend. <laughs> That's right. Well, we can afford the white chocolate and the muffin. <laughs> and then I'll tell him I really do need to speak to him. So, um, yeah. so yeah, so it kind of just happened by chance. It wasn't in my head. I kind of didn't really plan on, on you know, making a life choice that day, but it was just how it all happened, really. And it so often is, but you've got to be brave enough to say yes when the opportunity comes yeah. and not overthink it and think of all the reasons why it's maybe not the best thing to do. Absolutely. Um, so you mentioned that um, you were dairy farmers. Yes. Um, so talk to me about how that all went back when there were the, all those price wars going on. There was, um, absolutely. So unfortunately, deregulation was the end of our little dairy. Um, dairying has now become very much an economy of scale. You've got to milk a certain number of you know animals to make it worthwhile. We were only a small dairy, only milking 160. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so unfortunately for us, that meant it wasn't just financially viable anymore with all the, the changes. So, um, so we wound up the dairy. We still kept our cattle, um, which is nice again. Again, it's the connections that we've had with Jared and Emma and Alex has also been cattle, not just real estate. So, yeah. so that's been nice. Um, but so yeah, how did your husband cope with that? Because I'm, I'm guessing that was his kind of passion. Oh, he was gutted, absolutely gutted. And uh, and I guess that's one of the hard things that has been in our world has been um, him giving up his passion and what he loves and then being able to, you know, raise our four kids. And um, two of our children have played very high-level sports, so they're training four or five nights a week. He's everywhere from Wollongong to Sydney on any given day taking them around. Yep. Um, so, you know, he's had to give up his passion and kind of support mine, which is, you know, wow. always interesting. Special man you've got there by the sound of that. Very special, actually very yeah. <laughs> a bit special needs, I think, but he's okay. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, 
And so talk to me about that for a little bit because it's not, um, yeah, there's no way that you could do what you do, um, run that kind of business. And you've got the two, um, you've got two areas, right, Nara Mm -hmm. and Berry. Well, I'm very lucky that Jared and Emma very much run um, Nara, which is fantastic in the early days um, because Emma's um, got two young children as well, or Emma and Jared. Um, So we kind of had this discussion. I guess this all came out of being in a partnership before where we weren't aligned. So we had really good discussions beforehand about, you know, they've got the young family at the moment. They need to spend time with their family. Uh, My kids, two of my kids are now out of home. One's overseas. One's uh, moved in um, with his girlfriend. Um, So at different stages of life and just recognizing that so you know at the moment if those guys need to do nine to five um which you know never happens in real estate anyway so i say that lightly emma's always seeing the emails at midnight um you know that that's fine because that's the stage of life that they're in i'm in a different stage um yeah. but the reality is i'm a bit older too so i'm going to burn out before them so you know um oh, you've I'll, got a few I, good years left in your life i mean i've probably got 10 in me i'm a goer um so you know in 10 years time i might want to start cutting back a bit and doing less where you know they're doing a little bit less in the hours at the moment so uh, so it was really good to have that conversation and although our businesses are joined together and we make all joint decisions we very much um, have different marketplaces they're only 20 kilometers apart they're very different so we do run the offices quite differently Um, so I don't think that we could do what we're doing at the moment and especially not in this office without the support of Jared and Emma and also my husband behind the scenes because he does everything with the kids pretty much (laughs) yeah it really um, it really sounds like it and how so how does he how how is he with being um you know the house husband really yeah he's um he actually excels at it he's very good he went to the mother's groups and all that sort of stuff he absolutely loved that he? Oh, <laughs> that's he's fabulous. always you know after the potty calves he gave, yeah. gave up the calves he had to you know supply the kids um so now he's been really really good with that um he doesn't know much about real estate um so he tends to stay the hell out of that um but he is very entertaining he will come into the office buy the girls donuts and entertain them for 10 or 15 minutes once a day so. fantastic Keeps the staff morale up. Uh, when the wind blew the other day, we've had this shocking wind down here. He went and put all my signs back up because every single one of them was down. Um, so he's very supportive. <laughs> he gets the shit. Very shipping. handy. Yes, very handy indeed. Um, coming from a, um, a small country town, how do the family, how does your family feel about you being the you know, the breadwinner and yeah, it's sort of a role reversal, if you will. It is. And even though, you know, we're now in 2021, um, even back when I first had our kids at 23, because we come from a small farming community, you know, by 23, you're married and you have kids. I was actually one of the later ones in our, in our circle of friends to have kids. I was holding out. Um, so at the bright age of 23. Uh, so oh, that's that is, crazy. It is. And it's just like, when are you going to have kids? Yeah, well. <laughs> I still, I'm still not around. I still never got around to it. Yeah, yeah. People say to me, oh, it's not too late. It's like, oh, it so is. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> well, said that to me the other day. Do you want a fifth one? I said, oh, God, no, my kids are all self-sufficient now. I couldn't go back. You couldn't go back, yeah. <laughs> Definitely so, not. Yeah. It, was, it was quite challenging because, um, you know, back in those days where we were a small, um, you know, sort of country community, you got married, you had kids. Um, it was okay to have a job until you had kids and then you needed a rare calves and rare kids. You didn't go back to work. So. I, just, I just can't believe that um, yeah. in this day and age because you're younger you know you're about 10 years younger than me yeah. um so i'm 
a little bit gobsmacked that that was your experience. Yeah, it was. I guess just being country too. You yeah, know, yeah, absolutely. That's what it is. Centres where you go to. Um, so I was very lucky that my parents were supportive, so they helped us out with childcare and things like that. And over the period of um, time during the bank, um, they brought job sharing, which was quite effective. So by the time I got to number three and number four, you know, it was quite helpful to have job share and not have to work as much. <laughs> and a full-time laundry job, really, just folding laundry was <laughs> really full-time in our house. crazy. Um, and then my husband would go to sport and constantly put his hand up to bring the shirts home. I'm like, do we not have enough washing in this house? Don't what are you in- thinking? Exactly. Don't do this to me. Um, so, yeah, so um, I sort of did a bit of job share, but I've just always been really supported in the role, which has been really good. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. All right, let's switch gears and talk about um, your business. Obviously, you must be inundated with um, people from Sydney wanting to escape. We are at the moment. <clears throat> yes, yeah. last, last post-COVID, um, last market, uh, the June long weekend, it got busy and then it just went ridiculous from there. It became um, almost, I would say, almost unsustainable to keep up with the amount of inquiry that was coming in. So we had to make some um, some really, they say out of, you know, necessity, innovation will, will yeah. come. Um, so we had to make some pretty serious changes in our office as to how we would um, go so to the So what did you do? Uh, we ought to put on automated responses for the um, price inquiries. Yeah. Um, and bearing in mind, we're a little office. We hadn't gone into a great deal of automation before this. So we had the canned response go back out. So they got the listing sheet, which answered, answered you know, 99% of the questions. Yeah. The price, um, when we wanted to revise a price or reveal the price, if we didn't, it would say an agent will be in contact with you. We had that redirected to um, one of our PAs so that it wasn't just filling up our um, our inbox because, you know, you could get five 600 emails a day, which were just inquiries. So it just was ballistic. <laughs> um, we got an inquiry phone number um, so that when people were on realestate.com and domain that it would go through to a different number. Yeah. Our theory behind that kind of started a little bit before um, COVID kind of um, ended. We found we had a very captive audience because people were in lockdown. So they had all day to chat. So, you know, if somebody rang you on your personal number, they had a relationship with you, their name was saved in your phone, you'd know it'd be a two-second conversation or a three-minute one. But you could get sideswiped by one of those 25-minute lonely people in Sydney going, you know, my dream is to have a lemon tree. Um, So we had a set phone. So whoever wasn't in an appointment could just keep manning that phone so that we didn't get to the end of the day with such sheer call volume to get back to. Yeah, amazing. Um, We probably made the mistake, I panicked a little bit, to be very honest, when COVID first hit, you know. Everybody did, can I tell you? Um, And we were, at that stage, you know, kind of only had taken over the business about two years. Um, we didn't have a huge lot of cash flow in the business. Um, so we had to make some staffing decisions pretty quickly because at that stage we were in lockdown, obviously, down here as well. Yeah. Um, so we put some staff on leave and things like that. And I thought, you know what, I, I just felt for people. The couple of people we spoke to in Sydney were like, you know, we're, we're self-isolating down here on Seven Mile Beach. We're taking beautiful walks in the sunshine. <laughs> it was gorgeous. People are ringing up, you know, they're a 100 square metre um, unit, you yeah. know, about to murder their children. So we thought, you know, we've got a responsibility here to, to reach out to our clients and just check in and see how they're going. So we had a very big call program around not just our vendors each day, but yes. we just started ringing the database and talking to people. And that just came back in spades you know there was people that would ring back three weeks later and just touch base and say hey you know things have gotten a bit better you know we've now got the homeschooling sorted and my husband's got the phone sent to him from work and now we can do this so people actually felt like they need to come back to us and update us on how their lives were progressing during yeah, COVID. which is nice because it was everybody um everybody did panic right at the very beginning which is completely yeah. understandable because we've never experienced anything like it no so then we kind of built this this rapport with quite a lot of people yeah. um 
And then, you know, we thought, Jesus, if, if a third of these people that say they're going to move down to Berry and buy houses at the other end of this do so, we're going to have a smashing um, market. So we decided based on that hunch that we would go out and get the listings, that we would then be positioned so that when um, the lockdown came off that we would have the stock. So we did a really big push on that and we got out and spoke to people about our strategy and, you know, what how we saw it going and what we thought we could do with, you know, 3D Matterport videos and the videos and all the things that we could do to try and position their properties. So we took a lot of stock on and I was really hoping it was going to pay off because otherwise I was going to have a lot of vendors I was going to be talking to daily if it didn't. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so it was a bit of a bit of a gamble, um, but it did. And so we were really, really blessed. And that was sort of the start of us being able to really get some great traction with our market share. And we currently hold about 33% market share, which is awesome. Um, and we've maintained that. So, because there's a lot of agents in Berry, you know, we're very highly populated down here for agents. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, so it was a very interesting period of time. It sounds like <laughs> it. It sounds like it. But it's amazing how you can set yourself up for success by being brave enough to innovate um, in difficult times and and um, just connecting with your community. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. There was a time only a couple of years ago where everyone was talking about agents being um, um, technology overtaking agents' jobs, yeah. whereas now it's so <laughs> clear. That it's oh, about the relationships, right? It is. It's about the people. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And particularly in that kind of community that you're in. That's, um, yeah, great story. Yes. So. so before we finish up, I want to hear the best advice you've ever been given, mm. um, the worst advice you've ever been given, and what <laughs> advice you would give to somebody else wanting to get into real estate. Okay. Um, best advice I've ever been given is probably just live your life with passion. No matter what it is you decide to do, yeah. just do it with passion. You know. Thanks, Dad. Yep. If you're not happy where you are, move. You're totally responsible for that. Um, probably linked into that was the advice that your happiness is not reliant on anybody else. You know, if you you need to make yourself happy. Yeah, and it's not real. Um, I think particularly real in real estate, it's we think it's reliant on the next shiny thing. You know, the designer label clothes and car and watch and all of that sort of stuff. And I know personally when we went through a really difficult time when my husband wasn't working for an extended period, we could barely afford, we could afford to feed ourselves and pay the mortgage and that was it, right? Um, And that's when you realise what actually is important. Absolutely. It's not the shiny things. No, and coming from a farming background, I'm probably not quite as attracted by shiny things. Yeah. Um, we always learnt on the farm that you make hay when the sun shines because there will be a period of drought. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so, um, so in business, I, I'm usually the one that's usually like, we need to put that away for a rainy day. And, you know, COVID's come twice, so there's definitely rainy days ahead. So yeah. that's, you know, a period of time when everything really does slow down. Um, probably the worst advice I've ever been given Um Oh, I don't know. I take something from everything. You know, when people give me advice, I always think there's a little gem in there somewhere. You just got to look hard enough. Yeah. Um, probably the only thing that somebody once said to me was, you know, um, that in real estate you're judged by, um, you know, your achievements and the best sale price that you can get and all these sort of things. And I have to say that that's not my motivator at all and that didn't resonate with me at all. I don't care. Um, I'm one of the few people that don't log into our benchmarks in Rainham Horn. I don't care where I'm sitting compared Shut to Don't tell head office. They know, don't worry. Um, the other day and said, you still haven't logged into the new system. I'm like, it mm, doesn't matter. <laughs> he said, there's only, I had to laugh. They said, there's only three people that haven't logged in. You and the people at number 321 and 322. <laughs> <laughs> and there's 322 people on there. So I was like, oh, okay. too funny. 
Um, so yeah, so that advice probably didn't resonate with me and it probably wasn't that it was bad, bad advice. It's just, that's not who I am. It's not who you are. And that, that's actually really interesting because I've had this conversation with, um, Sherry Storer. I don't know if you know Sherry, she's a coach, um, based up in Queensland, so not in lockdown. I yes. hate her already. Um, <laughs> but, um, but Sherry said to me, you know, that particularly women don't judge success in the same way that men do. No. And I don't like to be all about the gender, but I think it's, it's, it's certainly true that not everybody sees success in the same way. And so for some people it is all about the money and the dollar value at the highest number of sales. But what, what is success to you? Success to me is being able to walk into my local IGA every day and hold my head tight. It doesn't matter who's in there. I don't have to change aisles. I just walk down, talk to absolutely everybody. So I think in a small country town, if you can sleep at night, yeah. you can go to the, the Berry Show, you can go to the IGA and talk to whoever's there. I think that is success in a small community. And to be their trusted advisor, you know, at the moment, there's people making some really big life decisions with everything yeah. that's going on in their world. And the fact that they trust you enough to pick up the phone and talk that through with you, um, I will never take that for granted. I think that's a total privilege. Yeah, I agree. It is an absolute privilege. And so if someone was wanting to get into real estate, what what advice would you give them? Um, I would say be passionate about what you do if yeah. you're not here with passion and you've got to be here for the right reasons and people will see through you if you're not, you know, um, I get feedback all the time in Barry. I have to laugh. I'm not your typical real estate agent. I'm not huge on makeup and high heels or anything like that. I wear rider boots and pants so I can climb through the fences. Yeah. Um, and um, I'm just very genuine. So I get feedback all the time that people go, that was the most unreal estate like experience that I've had, but you know, we really appreciate it. And so, so what do you think they mean by that? I just call it how it is. You know, if people are talking to me about their wants and their needs and things like that, you know, I'll ask as many questions as I need to, to get to the bottom of it. And sometimes I'll just say to them, hell no, you don't want that. You actually, you need to look at something like this because you've just told me while we've been walking around this property, how time poor you are and, you know, how little time you have with the family and things like that. Buying this lifestyle property down Barry is not going to solve your problems because, you know, you've, <laughs> you've got to have time for the property as well. Yeah. You know, you're going to spend six hours on that lawnmower in spring every week. So this is not going to help your yeah. problems. You know? I bet some people sort of stand there and just sort of look at you with their eyes wide open when you they say do, things they like go, that, right? Wow, you know, how, not how dare you say that to me, but more like, a wow, like we're having a much deeper conversation. Yeah. About- and how come I haven't thought about that? Like, exactly. You know, and often they'll say, you know, and sometimes the property's not for them. And I'll say to them, you know, I don't think this property's for you, you know, based on what you've told me, you know. Um, and I think people appreciate the honesty. You yeah, know, you're sure. not just ringing them up and putting them under pressure. I've had, you know, buyers come down from Sydney that have gone, here's an offer, it's on the table till 12 o'clock. And I go, great, then it's declined. I'm not going to ring my 70-year-old vendor at 11 o'clock and give her one hour to make a life decision. If that's your offer, it's declined. Um, and then people will come back or I'll say to them, you know, would you like me to do that to your grandmother? I don't think you would. Yeah, um, I love that. Yeah, people exactly. will come back that's after awesome. their negotiations and say, you know what, didn't love you during the negotiation period, but you're a genuine human and, and you know, we appreciate yeah. that. So um, I, I can imagine even the hardest nosed um, people from, you know, some of the most expensive areas in Sydney would take a backward step if you said, do you, would you really want me to treat your grandmother like that? Like that. Yeah, they, they do. would. And I love that. It's that slap and I'm just like, no, sorry. And, and I'm happy to put the offer forward, but it won't be before 12 o'clock. And if you need it by 12, it's declined. Um, yeah. And a lot of people don't like hearing that. <laughs> yeah, I bet. No, good on you. Yeah. Good on you. That's it. Yeah. No, I think if, if you're going to get a new into real estate, I think 
you kind of at the beginning, you need to run harder than everybody else. Yeah. You know, you need to show that you you want it, that you get out there. You know, I came um, into property management here in this office and to 16 properties. So by 10.30 on the first day, I was kind of like, I don't know what I'm going to do to fill my days. So this is going to be interesting. Um, and Alex said to me, quite simply, go and get yourself some more properties. So I did. So um and then sort of trends um, went from property management and sort of started helping out with sales in that last big boom that they had um, doing open homes on Saturdays and things like that. But I didn't come from a sales background. So every time at an open home, people saw me as the assistant that was helping out because we were busy. Um, so I had to work harder, I think, than anybody else to, to prove that, you know, yep. and my competitors here in town would go, she's just the property manager. You know yeah. what? Because, you know, my business card was double-sided. It had property management on one side, sales on the other. Yeah. I had yeah. 155 property managements and 15 yeah. sales listings when I finally decided maybe I had to give property management, which was my passion, away and get a property manager in. And I made him sit right there next to me on that computer so I could hear everything going on with my, uh, my portfolio. Are you a control freak? I, I am a little bit. With property management, I am because they were my babies. I brought them on. And, Fair uh, enough too, yeah. So, yeah, so that was a little bit hard. Um, but I had to run really hard and prove that, you know, that I could – um, compete with them. And, you know, the guys here in town say she's just a property manager. And to this day, I embrace that. I say to people, I was a property manager that can sell houses, lots of yeah. them for record prices. Um, yeah. So I, know, yeah. I, I give them a bit of banter back to the boys in town. And, I, you know, when they ring up and they go, oh, you know, congratulations on, you know, rate my agent, number one agent or something like that, because we all get put on pretty well in town. I go, not bad for a property manager, hey. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm still sticking it to them. Yeah, take that. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, well, I can absolutely see why you do so well. Your passion just shines through and it has been so lovely to speak to you and to, to get to know you a little bit. Um, I will definitely be dropping by for a coffee next time I'm in Berry. That would be awesome. We'll have a donut. There are only two doors up. <laughs> <laughs> no worries at all. We can do that. We can. All right. Well, take Thanks care. So it's been great to chat. Lovely. Thanks, Leanne. I appreciate it.